a good idea. Have a point. It makes it so much more interesting for the listener. Welcome back to At Your Service. Brad Young in with you on a Wednesday evening. I'm enjoying these while I can because I know, I know baseball season is here. I know that night games on Wednesdays are around the corner and uh, I'll get shifted to another night or won't be on. So uh, I'm enjoying Wednesday nights while I have them. And I'm enjoying having you as well here with us this evening. Lots of calls, lots of texts. Always, always appreciate that. I want to bring in Matt Pajeski here because, uh, and, and he's not going to like, I, I never give Matt a clue what I'm going to ask him about because I like his honest reaction to my stupid, silly questions. And I, I want to ask you, Matt, and, and I know that that the future Mrs. Matt Pajeski is not currently on the scene. Is that right? What do you mean on the scene? I mean, there's no there's no current future Mrs. Matt Pajeski with you right now, right? Not with me right now. No. Okay. So, and I wanted to clarify that because as you imagine some point in time in the future getting married, how would you imagine your wedding would look like? What would it look like? Oh, boy. Brad, uh, I'm very unprepared for this question. But I, I know, would... and I do this intentionally. Ooh. I do it intentionally. So if if you need some time, that's okay. Well, I I've, have always imagined it being at a church. I've grown up Lutheran, grown up pretty mm-hmm. Christian my entire life. I feel like that I would I would prefer to have it done in a church. Uh, I've been to many family and friends weddings, all done at churches, and I think that there's just something really special about having uh, a minister or, or a pastor uh, officiate the wedding and and tying it into to uh, to my religion, to my faith is is very important to me. Good. So that, that's where I would start off. Uh, we can talk honeymoon too. I've been <laughs> think that's the more fun part to think of. Well, I w- you you covered what I wanted you to cover because here's my question. Okay. I saw today in the news, you know, you're familiar with the Oscar Mayer Wienermobile, right? Of course. Okay. <laughs> well, Oscar Mayer announced today that uh, on April 15th and 16th, this week only, in Las Vegas, the, and I'm quoting, Wienermobile of Love, unquote, will be available as a wedding venue for people who want to get married with the Wienermobile. In their wedding photographs. Okay, so it's a, it's just a photo op. Well, they're going to park the Wienermobile, and then they create a, a kind of a an altar in front of the Wienermobile of flowers, mm-hmm. and then there's chairs in front of it. So the Wienermobile becomes the backdrop okay. to the wedding. Yeah, and, and I guess and the reason why I asked you about your 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 concept of a wedding. I'm I'm assuming that the Wienermobile was not part of that concept. It is not. But now I'm rethinking it. <laughs> Forget everything I said about the church, about my lifetime upbringing in a Lutheran church. I, I'm all for the Wienermobile now. Well, <laughs> but here's what here's what's so funny about this is if you sign up now, and I'm, and I'm certainly not advocating it, but if you sign up now for uh, a spot to get married, it's at OscarMeyer.com. If you sign up now. You'll be treated to an all-expense-paid wedding ceremony outside the Wienermobile. It's led by Oscar Mayer employees who are known as hot doggers. I don't know why. But here's the, here's the key part. Each ceremony will feature a performance by a Wiener Whistle Quartet, and they're going to serve up, and I'm quoting, a wonderfully odd Wiener cake, unquote. Now, my, my middle daughter just got married last August. 
And I uh, I assure you, there was nothing like the Wienermobile in this wedding. That's a shame. And and had I had I suggested it, uh, I probably would have saved a lot of money uh, had we done it this way. But but anyway, my point being is that uh, when I saw this, I thought, now how many people would just out of the blue say that's my ideal wedding in front of the Wienermobile? I, not very many. No, I don't think there's going to be very many. And uh, <laughs> uh, I don't know if, uh, to me, this sounds like something that happens when you're in, because it's, of course, it's in Las Vegas. Yeah. But this is the kind of thing that, to me, sounds like you, you, you get married after a, after a three-day bender, mm-hmm. and you haven't sobered up yet, and you say, hey, there's the Wienermobile, let's get married. I mean, isn't isn't that the kind of logic yeah, you, that would follow there? You had me sold at the Wienermobile just right off the bat, but it just kept getting better with the Wiener Whistle Quartet. Yeah. <laughs> That's, I, I have to hear that. Sounds amazing. And then the uh, the Wiener Cake. I don't even want to know what that is. If it's a hot dog flavor. A wonderfully cake. odd Wiener Cake, and, and I'm mm. quoting, so... Uh, I don't know what that means, but okay. that's that's exactly. Uh, I'm just quoting from the company's uh, news release. And and speaking of of Vegas, you know, traditionally weddings in Las Vegas always involve Elvis, right? Yeah. You know, whether whether it's at the Elvis Chapel of Love or the pastor is the Elvis impersonator, or that, not really a pastor, but whoever's officiating the service. So I think it was it was during COVID. And the estate of Elvis Presley started suing people who were conducting these weddings in Vegas, saying that they were infringing on the Elvis trademark because they weren't paying royalties to do to do weddings as Elvis Presley. And um, and again, I, I think if you're getting married in in uh, in the blue suede shoes chapel, but with a dude who's an Elvis impersonator. I'm guessing alcohol was involved in this. Lots of alcohol, lots of gambling the night before at at the casinos. Uh, yeah, just not not a whole lot of thought. No, going into uh, the the Elvis weddings or the uh, Oscar Mayer weddings. So that's why when I saw this story, I thought, you know, Oscar Mayer, they're geniuses because if there's going to be a reduction in Elvis weddings because they don't want to have to pay the copyright or the trademark fee, we'll see an increase. Right, yeah, exactly. You know where I'm Oscar going. Meyer it, it's it's gonna. It, there's got to be an increase because there's something's got to fill that void. That void of liquor fueled weddings. Okay. Yeah. And if they don't have the Elvis weddings to fill that void, what better than Oscar Mayer Wiener weddings? We need to keep track of these people. I want to. Uh, do they call that a longitudinal survey when they they follow over people? time? Yeah. Uh huh. That's what it's called. Do do these uh, do these marriages last years? Months, weeks, weeks, <laughs> days. Maybe the following day they uh, they get their. Uh... Well, I don't think you could be sobered up the following day because we're talking a lot of alcohol. But do this, so it may be a couple of days before someone comes to the realization. Oh my goodness, what did I do? Yeah. And and I think that's true with either an Elvis wedding or a a Wiener Wienermobile uh, wedding. So <laughs> we've got we've got more coming up here. We're not going to talk the entire hour about Wienermobile weddings. I, I promise you that. But we are going to talk about uh, tax issues, light bulb bans, medical myths, and free speech issues. How's that? That's going to take us out the rest of the hour here on At Your Service. Brad Young sitting in with you until 10 o'clock. Stick around.
Extra Service. Brad Young in with you this evening. And this was probably a couple of months back. There was this big hullabaloo over whether the Biden administration was going to to cancel gas stoves. And the, the Biden administration didn't walk that back, but they indicated that there was there was nothing imminent, I think, was the, was the phrase that was used. But as I researched this issue of regulations coming from the Biden administration, I, I ran across some details this week that I, that I wanted to share with you because it demonstrates one of the philosophical challenges of the left today, and that is uh, it's, it's the it's the the daddy complex that says, I know better than you know. And here's the example. We, we've talked about gas stoves, but light bulbs in, in April of 2022, April last year, the Department of Education finalized, not the Department of Education, sorry, Department of Energy finalized their rules regarding the phasing out of incandescent bulbs. And those plans are now set to go into effect on August 1st of this year. So as of August 1, 2023, you will not be able to buy an incandescent light bulb. You will only be able to buy LED bulbs. So before I dive into this uh, intellectual thought experiment very, very much further here, I want to tell you, most of the light bulbs in my house are LEDs. I don't have any problem with LEDs. Uh, I have I have a few incandescents that I bought the last time I thought they were going to get uh, they were they were going to stop being sold and so I hoarded some of them in my house and uh, my wife accused me of being a light bulb hoarder she used those exact words but uh, but I prefer pretty much prefer LED bulbs but I so my objection with this rule isn't it doesn't have anything to do necessarily with the bulbs themselves it has everything to do with the philosophy behind those bulbs. So under under these rules, again, go into effect August 1st, 2023, stores won't be able to sell incandescent bulbs. Uh, incandescent and similar halogen light bulbs will be prohibited in favor of LED bulbs, light-emitting diode bulbs. And right now, there's been a, a big push for LEDs, and I think that push has occurred because the prices have come down. But if you've bought light bulbs recently or saw them in the store, you'll know that, that LED bulbs are exponentially more expensive than incandescent bulbs. And the light is different. You know, sometimes uh, the, the light from an LED bulb is very cold. It's got a blue hue to it, whereas a light from an incandescent bulb has more of a yellowish, which looks more like the sun, a yellowish hue to it. And of some folks, obviously, it means a lot to them about how the, the hue of the light appears in the room. But one of the other challenges that comes to me or comes to my mind about this entire light bulb thing is the fact that there are no LED bulbs for consumers made in the United States of America. None. So every light bulb that you buy at the store after August 1st of 2023 Every single one of them will be coming from China. And a lot of light bulbs, incandescent bulbs, are not necessarily made in the United States. But that's because the industry could see that government was moving to, to eliminate these LED or eliminate these incandescent bulbs from sale. So a lot of those manufacturing 
facilities closed. But think about the zeal here that's that's behind this idea. Because if you are a lower income person today, or at least as of August 1st, you're being forced by the Biden administration to buy a more expensive light bulb. So isn't that a tax? We, we talk about taxes in this country and how taxes can impact the poor. But isn't that an indirect tax when the government says you can no longer buy this product that costs a dollar and you are must, because I said so, you must buy this product that costs $5. I mean, that's a 500% tax, isn't it, on something that costs a dollar and now costs 5 Of course, that's an enormous tax increase. Now, I know if you're listening, you can say, well, hey, Brad, LED light bulbs last a lot longer. Uh, they're more energy efficient. Look at all the money you're going to save. And I agree with all of those points. It does make sense to use LED bulbs. That's why, by and large, I've switched to LED bulbs. But in the marketplace of ideas, shouldn't the marketplace make that determination? In other words, if you're a consumer, shouldn't you be the one who decides what kind of light bulb you're going to buy instead of the government telling you what type of light bulb that you have to buy? Why is that the government's job to mandate and require what you purchase? Because in this in the same marketplace of ideas, in this place, it's the marketplace of economics. Shouldn't the market decide? I mean, if these LED bulbs are so wonderful, if they're so fabulous, the, the capitalism, the laws of supply and demand dictate that those things are going to sell like crazy and no one's going to buy incandescent bulbs. But that's not happening. So if incandescent bulbs are so energy inefficient, they're so terrible for the environment, they're so terrible for the long-term energy usage, then why are people buying them? In other words, they're not winning in the marketplace. The market is being artificially propped up by government regulations. And of course, that just simply adds more cost to all products. And that cost is passed along to you and to me. And it's particularly passed along to lower income Americans. But it also really shows us this idea of the nanny state concept of liberalism. Because they're not going to stop with light bulbs. In other words, if the if the government is saying right now, you, Joe and Jill consumer, you are not smart enough. We cannot trust you to buy the right type of light bulbs. So therefore, we're going to, by government regulation, prevent you from buying the wrong light bulb because we think you're too stupid to buy the right light bulb. So we're going to tell you and force you to buy the right light bulb. But where does that where does that concept, that philosophy end? We talked about gas stoves, and the government didn't deny that they want to eliminate gas stoves. Right now in California, they passed rules that I believe it's next year or the year after. I'm sorry, I don't have the date in front of me. But in the very near future, no new buildings in California can be built, can be built with natural gas. Can't do it. And the state of New York is doing the exact same thing. They're going to ban the the allowance, in other words, prohibit buildings, whether it's commercial, industrial, or residential, from being built with natural gas. Now, in my house, we've got a water heater. It's natural gas. I love it. It works a lot better than electric uh, water heaters. 
But you wouldn't be able to do that if the nanny state says to you, listen, Brad Young, I know you think you're a smart guy, but we cannot allow you to make a decision about what type of water heater you want in your house. So we're going to force you to use a product that's more inefficient, that's more costly, and doesn't heat your water as well as what you currently have. And we're going to make that decision for you because, Mr. Brad Young, we're the government. We're here to help you, and we know more than you do. But where does that end? And as I researched this issue this week, it's gas stoves are on, ovens. Ovens are on the hit list for the Biden administration. Washers and dryers are on the hit list. Refrigerators. Now, there's no natural gas-powered refrigerators, but the idea is that the energy efficiency is going to have to be boosted to such a level that your refrigerators are going to get smaller and smaller and smaller. And and think of the wisdom here. I mean, I know we're coming up on a break, but think of the wisdom of this. Because in your house, you've got a space for your refrigerator. There might be some cabinets around it, but there's a space for your refrigerator, and it's a defined space. Most homes, that's the way it is. And if the if the government says there has to be twice as much insulation in your refrigerator to make it even more efficient, what are you going to do? I love economic issues like this because if the government forces the refrigerators to become smaller and smaller on the inside because of the additional insulation that's required, you're going to go buy a second refrigerator. And so you're going to defeat all of the arguments that they're trying to propose because now you're going to have to buy two refrigerators instead of one. It's going to take more fuel to deliver that refrigerator. You're going to be using twice as much electricity to run two refrigerators when you were previously only running one refrigerator. It's the kind of thing that these, these types of regulations are invented by people who play checkers, but they're not invented by people who play chess. They simply look one move ahead instead of looking four moves ahead. And the bottom line is, is that it costs you and I more money. We have less choice. And we're fueling this idea that the government is here to make all the decisions for you because apparently we're too stupid in the eyes of the government to decide what kind of light bulbs we want, what type of refrigerators we want, and what type of stoves we want. Is that a problem for you? Do you have a a problem with the government telling you what kind of products you can buy and use in order to to push an agenda, to push this philosophy of being a nanny state? What do you think? 314-436-7900. Would love to hear your perspective on this. Camo X, we'll be right back. Got a lot of texts, a couple of calls, or a couple of the texts in here talking about uh, just like the stupid uh, EV, electric vehicles, that uh, that are being forced upon us by a government onto a, a consumer base that may or may not want them. And, and what shouldn't we have the say in what type of products we want to buy instead of having the government tell us what kind of products we can buy? Matt's been holding for a while through the break. Hey, Matt, welcome to CamelX. Hey, how you doing tonight? I'm doing great, sir. I'm glad you're out there listening this evening. 
Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, so just thinking about it, you know, I, I'm a, you know, my basic ideology is it's pretty conservative, not pretty conservative, I'm by no means MAGA, but, you know, I, I have fairly conservative thoughts. And initially kind of hearing you talk, I couldn't agree more. Um, but, you know, I, I just think back to, you know, World War II and, and, you know, how the government kind of forced all these, you know, manufacturing companies to, to throw everything to the war effort and, and how, you know, it's, I, they're not completely related. If you said they're not related at all, I, I could almost believe that. Uh, but I just think it was a, almost one of the best moments in, in American history. Um, you know, I, I, I do, you know, I do think global warming's happening. I don't think it's nearly as bad as they make it say. You know, when I was in school in the 90s, they said California would be in the ocean by the year 2010. That didn't happen. No. Um, but I am environmentalist. I, I care about, you know, I hunt and fish. I care about the environment. Um, you know, I, I think they would need to help people do it. You know, I, I, you can't just say you need to change everything. I think there, you know, there, there needs to be some kind of, I don't know what the term would be, grants or, or so, you know, I, I'm not buying a, a new electric stove because they tell me to, you know, if, if they want to pay for a replacement, um, fair enough. Um, but I don't completely hate the idea. Well, I, I, I see a complete difference, and you even kind of hinted at it, Matt, when, when you talk about the World War II war effort. And anytime there's an existential threat to the existence of our country, then the government by law and under the Constitution, has the authority to come in and redirect all of the manufacturing efforts of this country to make sure that the country continues to exist. So to me, that, that doesn't bother me. But, but one of the things you that you mentioned— Do you think that, that would happen today, though? Do you think they would do that? I don't yes. know. I don't know that they would. Well, we do, have a, we do have somewhat of a template because during COVID, uh, President Trump, by executive order— utilized, and, I, and I'm sorry I forgot the acronym, but it's something like the Defense Manufacturing Act, something, you know, real inventive like that, that said in a time of a national crisis, the White House can direct companies to make products. And they did that. They had companies making ventilators, companies making increased mask supplies, and that's why those supplies that were previously in short supply became available very quickly because there was there was forced manufacturing. So to me that's a completely different situation. Uh you mentioned yeah, about all that. the predictions of 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 global warming and every single prediction that's ever been made is wrong. I mean uh, we we've heard over and over all the predictions. In fact Greta Greta Thunberg that famous uh 16-year-old from Sweden I think uh, yeah. it, it, five years ago, she predicted that by 2023, our society would collapse. Well, you know, know it I hasn't know. done that. And none of those predictions are right. But, I agree. But, and, and they're not even close to being not, right. Not even, not even close to being right. But at this point, doesn't it bother you that, that if you're going to build a new house, you will probably not be allowed to use natural gas products, even though they're inexpensive, they're efficient, they work, and they work far better than their electric counterparts. But doesn't it bother you that you won't even have the choice to make a choice? It does. It does. I, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm semi on the fence. I, I'm on more your side of the fence. But it, it just made me think. It made me think. So Good. Well, that's the uh, whole point of this show, call. Matt. That's the, entire, that's the entire point of me doing this show is to make you think. So it worked. Sure. It did. It did. Very good. Hey, Matt, thanks for calling in this evening, and uh, thanks for being a part of the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. We, we, and one of the texters who texted in talked about electric vehicles. 
but we're going to be facing this exact same crisis. And I read just this week that the that the auto industry, not in response to consumer demand, because the 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 law of economics, the 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 classic Adam Smith law of supply and demand, it truly is a law. It works. And we have this exact same example with the automobile industry because the government continues to increase the, I think it's called the CAFE standard, the cars and auto emission standards, or I forgot exactly what CAFE standard stands for, but it's the, it's the standards that require automobile manufacturers to make their cars more and more fuel efficient. And who could be against that? I mean, from ostensibly from the idea, should cars be more fuel efficient? Yes. Should cars put out less pollution? Of course. But at some point, and we're at that stage now, the regulations are pushing automobile manufacturers to the point where no gasoline engine can ever hope to meet the standards. None. So just like the standards with the LED bulbs, because of government regulation. Automobile manufacturers have been spending billions and billions of dollars creating electric vehicle manufacturing plants. The problem is, is there's no demand. So they're creating this enormous supply of electric vehicles. And by and large, consumers don't want them. Now, sure, you see a lot of electric cars out there. They're being sold. Consumers do want those vehicles but not in the type of numbers that justify the investment that's coming from the automobile manufacturing industry. And so I read just this week that that Ford is going to have to take a write-down of billions of dollars because they've invested so much in these electric vehicles and the cars are just not moving. People aren't buying them as quickly as they as they would like. But that's not the fault of the of the automobile manufacturers. They're responding They're directly responding to the pressure being applied to them by the federal government to have standards for fuel efficiency that cannot be met by gasoline-powered vehicles. Can't do it. So in other words, if the government comes in and says, you, your fleet of vehicles has to have an average of 45 miles to the gallon, you're, you're, unless you're driving some little bitty like motorcycle car, there's no way you're going to get a car that's going to get that kind of gas mileage. Now, I think there are some Toyotas that get average about 45 miles to the gallon, but not very many, not very many. So what the car manufacturers do is they create and sell a lot of electric vehicles that get, you know, they don't have to use any gasoline at all. And so that what that does is on the average, it balances out the fact that you want to go out and buy an SUV. So it creates a balance. But as those numbers get higher and higher, then car manufacturers have to produce less and less of the SUVs that people want to buy, and they have to create more and more of the electric vehicles. But again, just like the light bulbs, just like the gas stoves, just like the the refrigerators or air conditioners, at the end of the day, you're going to get fewer choices of products. They're going to cost you more money, and they're not going to work as well as what you currently have. And does that bother you? Because it's being decided by government bureaucrats. It's not being decided by the marketplace that determines what do we want to buy and when do we want to buy it. 
That's that concept of a nanny state that's so troubling and that it's troubling economically and it's troubling practically. Does that bother you in any way? 314-436-7900. We're going to take our last break of the evening and come back for our last segment here on At Your Service, KMOX. Best bumper music in the business from Matt Pajeski. Thank you, sir. We talked about cars. Of course, that's the, the group, the band Cars playing there. Welcome back to Camo X. And talking about the nanny state, and Marty's been holding through the break. Hey, Marty, welcome to Camo X. Yes, thank you. I just want to let you know that CAFE stands for Corporate Average Fuel Economy. Thank you. Yeah, I didn't have that pulled up in front of me, and I, I forgot the exact acronym, but you are exactly correct. Well, the, the issue here is, is that each manufacturer has to meet the specific uh, fuel economy across their entire product line. And you're talking about manufacturers like Ford that have to uh, meet those uh, averages with all of their heavy-duty trucks all the way down to their uh, little uh, commuter vehicles. And I think that becomes an issue in that, you know, not everybody wants a commuter vehicle. There are people that need to drive carpool and try driving a carpool in a small, compact car. It is very, very difficult. But more importantly than all that, we have such an infrastructure on fuel. Yes. Um, fuel cars uh, with all of the, the, um, the fuel stations and everything else across the United States. And we do not have that with the electric vehicles. In fact, I think that right now that the biggest uh, issue is um, finding enough uh, charging stations to charge vehicles to take them in, in, in long distances. And I think that becomes a, a very, very big issue and a very, mm-hmm. very big expense, um, not only in the federal government or whoever is going to end up uh, footing the bill for that, but in order to provide for all these, um, these uh, electric vehicles. And then finally, I want to mention well, on the on. natural but, gas. Well, before we move on to the natural gas, Marty, you've you made great points. We've got to talk about it. And, <laughs> and when you talk about the infrastructure, you are so right because people don't stop to think about it. But we have this infrastructure. It's private enterprise, but all of the gas stations that we have. So if you want to get in your car and drive to California, you can stop and get gasoline all the way there. But you cannot physically do that. If you're driving an electric vehicle, you are correct. And not only that, the uh, the time to charge your electric vehicle, yes. although it's getting better, you know, will add another eight hours to your drive just to from here to California. Let's say. Yeah. So if they're talking about saving money with getting an electric vehicle, but if I want to drive to California, I'm going to have to park. I'm going to have to charge it up over an eight-hour period. I'm going to have to get a, a motel to stay in. Because I can't drive my vehicle while it's charging, and 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 of course, a gasoline-powered vehicle can just go as long as you've got someone to drive the car. You are correct. I tell you, one of the, one of the things I do like though is, uh, I don't know if you use Amazon, but the new Amazon delivery trucks, and I'm not uh, by any means um, have an extra grind for Rivian, but the new Rivian um, Amazon vans. Um, have a range, and the computer system in there is really, really sophisticated. It allows these people to deliver um, 
packages in the most economic route based on the packages mm-hmm. that are on the on the van. And I think that's a terrific use of electric vehicles. And I, again, I'm I'm excited about that. And I talk to the driver of, of my Rivian. Amazon van all the time about it, and, and, and I'm, I'm pretty excited about that. Right, but what's but exciting of- about that, Marty, what's exciting about that is that's something that was developed by private enterprise in order to make their vehicles more efficient, in order to create less cost, more profit, and more return to the shareholders. But if it were the government requiring that, wouldn't it be a completely different scenario rather than private enterprise coming up with innovative ideas to solve problems. I, I thoroughly agree with you. I thoroughly agree with you. The last thing is and you were going to mention natural gas. Natural gas. Um, I don't remember a time that we had a shortage of natural gas. In fact, I think we have an, a very big abundance of natural gas that fuel these um, stoves and furnaces that are going in these homes. And I think we have an abundance that take us out many, many years. And I don't know how uh, buying electric, which, by the way, most of the power plants today are fueled by natural gas because we can't burn coal anymore and they won't allow nuclear. So we're burning natural gas at the source of the electrical plant to provide electricity in our homes. Why are we cutting out that, um, you know, you know, taking everything to the middleman and not allowing us to have a, a gas at our at our homes? Which, by the way, again, it's cheaper, it's cleaner, and, and it works. Of it. And it works. The reason I think, Marty, that there's this zeal to push this is the is the dream of the of the progressive left in this country is to have a day when we have all solar energy, all renewable energy, and there's never going to be any fossil fuels. So if that dream could come true, and it might, it might eventually come true, uh, That if that happens, then you don't want to have gas-powered products in the homes. You could have renewable energy that, that drives the energy production at the facilities and then delivers that electricity into the homes. But here's the thing. None of this is ever going to happen if it's being driven by the government. It's only going to happen in a free market society where it's being demanded by the customers, not mandated by the government. I fully agree with you. And just take a look at what happened in Houston two years ago in the winter where uh, they had a major freeze and they could not provide enough uh, electricity uh, based on solar and wind and everything else to to keep the you know the the, the grid the, uh, the grid was near the collapse yeah, yeah. The, the, the entire grid was going to collapse exactly because there just wasn't enough uh, electrical producing outlets on the grid because of this we eliminated all the coal plants as you said and we can't build new nuclear plants so there was fewer and fewer ways to feed electricity into the grid, and we almost had a total grid meltdown. Hey, Marty, we're coming up on a hard break. I'm going to have to let you go, but thanks for listening, and thanks for calling. Thank you. Bye-bye. Great to talk to you, sir. And there's a guy who obviously knows what he's talking about, and uh, excellent call. Thank you very much. Yeah, if do I want to have a day when it's all renewable resources? Of course. Who Who would not want that? But to force that, whether it's we're talking about light bulbs, 
gas stoves, or electric vehicles. Forcing that upon you is never a good idea, whether it's from a product, the quality of the products, or the price of the products. Hey, stick around. The greatest product you'll hear is the Dave Glover Show coming up at 10 o'clock here on Camo X. See you next Wednesday night. Yeah.